This morning's reading is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, followed by Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Sorry, give me a moment. Lord, would you open our eyes? Would you open the eyes of our hearts to know the truth of your word, the truth of what you are doing among us, the depths of what you are doing in our lives, the journey 
you have, uh, the path really that you have led before us. And I pray this morning you would speak to our hearts and change our lives. Manifest yourself in our lives. In Jesus' name. Good morning. Can I start by a couple of thank yous? Luke, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. And I just, I really noticed um, this morning the interplay between your playing and Andrew's playing and just how the spirit was moving all over it. It was, it was stunning, just the way the Lord was using it. And Amy, your voice. Whoa. Thank you. It was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and Matt and Sarah, I mean, what incredible leaders, just leading us so powerfully this morning. Thank you. I, uh, I was quite choked up um, during worship, and um, part of the way you led was bringing that, so thank you. Right. Um, I, uh, a while ago, um, uh, some of you may not have been part of this journey just because we do get a fair few people popping in and out. Um, but back in September, we had a church weekend at home. And James and Lou had been on sabbatical in Canada and the Lord had been speaking to them and stirring things in their hearts. And they shared uh, really about the glory of God and um, this journey they felt that the Lord was uh, going to take us on for a period of time. And uh, after, I forget, one of the sessions, I, I said to James um, something along these lines. Um, I said, look, we've had uh, the revivals of holiness in the past. And we've had the revivals of the Father heart of God. And I think God right now is bringing them together and taking us on a slightly different journey with that. And, um, and he said to me... Um, about a week later, he said, um, Jim, I, I, think, I think you're right on some of that. Can you, you know, explore it more? And because of the, all the things we've been doing, I haven't really been able to explore it more, other than the, just the inner stuff that's going on in me. Um, and then he said to me last week, Jim, can you preach on that thing I asked you to explore? <laughs> and I'm like, ah! Um, so what I want to share today is more really the kind of the stirrings of what I'm sensing rather than, uh, you know, the research I've done because I haven't done it yet. <laughs> um, but I do believe that in this that there is a really important journey that the Lord's going to take me on and probably a, a number of us. But for me, it's about um, digging back into some of this stuff. And trying to discern what he is doing. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't know where to start because I, and I'm going to start as I did earlier. Um, in uh, between 1730, 1740, around there, uh, the Great Awakening broke out from the UK and it spread across the um, as were then the colonies. And um, at the heart of the Great Awakening was a man called Jonathan Edwards, who um, 
really there was one sermon that he gave which sparked into motion this unstoppable thing that became known as the Great Awakening. Now that was on the back of John and Charles Wesley who'd been doing preaching um, up and down the country and they were contemporaries and with Jonathan Edwards. And um, the culture of the time is incredibly different to today. You know, we love having a laugh and laughing and finding things funny. That wasn't part of that culture. That was kind of thought of as below par. You, you don't really do that. And if you read Jonathan Wesley's, uh, John Wesley's journals, you'll, you'll find out all this stuff and you think, gosh, he's quite austere. And, um, you know, it, it just it doesn't sort of come across in the way that you think it might. And it was a very different culture. And um, I want to read an excerpt from a sermon, the sermon, that broke open the Great Awakening uh, by Jonathan Edwards. He did this sermon, I, 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 all, from what I know, he did it twice. And uh, the first time, it, nothing happened with it. And uh, it, he did it, and, you know, if I do that, I'm like, I'm not doing that again. Um, anyway, he, doesn't, he didn't do that. He did it again. And he went to this church, and um, in the context, what happened, they go to the church, and uh, um, I'm reading the excerpt, excerpt from a book called God's Generals, The Revivalists, by Robert Sledden, which some of you may have read. Um, he's done four of these books, and this is, I think, number two. But... Um, uh, in it, it covers the Great Awakenings. And um, uh, so this, in the narrative, he talks about how people at the time said people arrived for church, but they weren't expectant. It was more like a fashion show. Um, and somebody after the 9 o'clock this morning, who is a, a uh, 18th century historian, told me that um, in, in the places like Bedlam and the sort of hospitals, um, what would happen is they would do these services and all the rich would go and put on their best sort of, su their Sunday best because it would be, they wanted to see the circus of the people who, who were ill. And, um, and it was like a fashion show, who could outdress the other one. And so in the context of hearing this sermon, um, uh, hearing this excerpt, sorry, um, that's the sort of environment into which Jonathan Edwards preached. On this particular occasion, it is not always that way. The sermon is entitled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. How does that sit with you? <laughs> are, are you ready to hear this? Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to read you the whole excerpt. Your wickedness is a good start, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, I'll just say this as well. So Jonathan Edwards um, had a quite high, squeaky voice. He was a really, really tall, lanky man, and he wore these really thick glasses that made his eyes look kind of bulbous. And um, when he spoke, he didn't want to put any um, emotion into his voice because he felt that was ungodly. So he spoke in a monotone, um, kind of high, squeaky voice. I'm not going to try and replicate it. <laughs> Your wickedness uh, makes you, as it were, heavy as lead, 
and to tend downwards with great weight and pressure toward hell. There are the black clouds of God's wrath now hanging over your heads, full of the dreadful storm and big with thunder. The God that holds you over the pit of hell. Do you want me to carry on? (laughs) The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire. Have you ever done that? Different cultures, clearly. (laughs) That one abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like a fire. He looks upon you as a um, he looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He is of purer eyes uh, than to bear to have you in his sight. You are ten thousand times so abominable in his eyes as the most hateful, venomous serpent is in ours. You have offended him infinitely more than even a stubborn rebel did his prince. And yet, tis nothing but his hand that holds you from falling into the fire every moment. Tis to be ascribed to nothing else that you did not go to hell the last night, but that God's hand has held you up There is no other reason to be given why you haven't gone to hell since you have sat here in the house of God, provoking his pure eyes by your sinful, wicked manner of attending his solemn worship. Yea, there is nothing else that is to be given as a reason why you don't this very moment drop down into hell. O sinner, consider the fearful danger you are in dot, 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 and then he says something else, and the excerpt continues. And now you have an extraordinary opportunity, a day day wherein Christ has flung the door of mercy wide open and stands in the door, calling and crying with a loud voice to poor sinners, many that were very lately in the same miserable condition that you are in, and now in a happy state, with their hearts filled with love to him, that has loved them and washed them from their sins in his own blood, and rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. How awful is it to be left behind at such a day. With those words, the great awakening launched from that church with those very fashionable people. Now, we live clearly in a very different world. But that kind of preaching marked the the revivals of holiness, repentance preaching, what we've come to term hell, fire, and brimstone, is the kind of preaching that uh, led to these great awakenings. There were three. So there was the one 1730, 1740. Then there was another one 1790 to 1810. And another one, the third Great Awakening from 1850 to 1900. Um, And then we got to 1900 and there was a different kind of thing that happened. Huge healing ministries of um, uh, people like Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake, uh, Catherine Kuhlman and and people like that um, of the 20th century. And, um, you know, this is the sort of, the gospel message 
that has gone out for you know hundreds of years and turned millions and millions of people uh, to Jesus. And what would happen with these kinds of uh, when preaching like this was um, a thing was that um, the Lord would get into people's hearts. And it would be, if you can imagine this being the sort of holiness side, and I'm not talking about anyone who's sitting over here, uh, but this is like the sinful side, okay? And um, what would happen in a, a person's heart is, you know, the father's over here, righteous and holy, uh, and probably quite angry because that was what was preached. And, uh, but love was also preached. I should say this. Jonathan Edwards, the majority of his sermons spoke about the love of God. And that was his primary thing. But for some reason, he's remembered for this sermon. And, um, well, it, it started the Great Awakening. That'll be why. But anyway, <laughs> kind of significant. Um, so you've got this holy God. Isaiah 6. You know, here's a prophet who's already been prophesying, a, a man that's holy, and he has this extraordinary encounter with Yahweh on his throne. And he sees the, uh, I, I can't remember in, in contextually if he's actually in the temple or if the whole thing is vision. But, uh, but whatever happens, you know, the, the, the temple trembles and shakes and the pillars of the temple and like you can imagine sort of smoke coming out of the ground and this noise as the angels, the seraphs are singing and all the craziness of the throne room. And here's Isaiah going, woe is me! Because it's an encounter with a holy God. And, you know, that kind of experience can, uh, can, will lead to a, a recognition of the parts of our lives and our hearts that are not aligned. And so it pushes you to a place of repentance. And um, with this stuff, what would typically happen in the Great Awakenings is that the people, whether it's John and Charles Wesley, whether it's Charles Finney, whether it's Jonathan Edwards, whoever, would preach, and then people would be so undone by the darkness of their hearts that they'd fall to the floor weeping, and they'd be left there praying, working out what is, uh, you know, what, what um, not what's going on, but, oh my gosh, I am so far from there. And they'd be weeping over here, weeping away, and uh, so torn apart just by the depravity that they'd come to realize uh, of the choices they make uh, and the, the kind of the longings of their heart that don't align with the kingdom. And they'd be in this space going, I'm wretched, woe is me. And they'd be on the floor sometimes 48 hours, sometimes a week, not moving. And they wouldn't move until they'd had the revelation that they were saved. And so they'd be churning away inside with this emotion and this pain and this sense of anxiety and loss and, oh my goodness, I am not worthy. Until at some point in this transaction, the father releases to them that sense which uh, Jonathan Edwards finishes the sermon with, of his love. 
and you are saved. But they had to go through that journey. That's what happened in the Great Awakening. In the 19th century, it was turned into an altar call. 20th century, sorry. In the 20th century, it was turned into an altar call. And it's like, you know, there's no real grappling. It's just, do you need Jesus? Yeah, come forward, say the prayer. And sort of some of that emotional journey is removed. Now, this obviously is, is history, now, but it happens um, today. In 19, if you get the year right, 1997, I went to Pensacola, which is in Florida. Some of you will have heard of the Brownsville Revival, uh, also known as the Pensacola Revival, um, which was a, a church, a Brownsville Assemblies of God church. The pastor was a man called John Kilpatrick. And one day he had a, a missionary come through called Steve Hill. I couldn't remember his surname this morning, but the amazing Simon who does our sound reminded it to me. Uh, Steve Hill, who was a, a missionary coming through. And one morning he preached and the whole church, I, I don't know the exact details, but something like this happened. The whole church kind of fell on their faces, convicted of sin. And uh, so John Kilpatrick's like, whoa, something's going on. Um, uh, and so uh, can you stay a bit longer? So he stays for the evening service. And he says, oh, can we do some midweek meetings? And Steve Hill goes, yeah. And then before we know it, he's there for two or three years. I forget how long he was there. Um, and I went, uh, as this had been going on for about four or five months, and I went uh, to a Christmas, it was Christmas 96, no, Christmas 97, and there we were, uh, and I went on the first night, and I heard Steve Hill preaching a, an evangelistic, repentance preaching type message, and by the time he'd finished, I, I was in a mess. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so sinful. I'm so far from there, I feel like I'm over here, and I feel like I'm this close to hell. And it was almost like I could feel this kind of trembling in the spirit realm of uh, like almost the gates of hell. It was pretty horrible experience. Now, bear in mind, at this point in my life, I'd been a Christian a long time. I knew about the Father heart of God, and I'd had some journey with that. Um, so I knew that he loved me, and I, the sonship stuff, I was on that journey already. But then I came over to this, and it was different. But I needed to go through it. And there I was in this space going, ah. And do you know what happened? Um, for about three days, I was a mess questioning my salvation. Have I really got this? And uh, every night I'd repent, you know, I'd fall on my knees and I'd repent of my bad choices and all of this stuff, feeling such turmoil inside my spirit about this thing. And, uh, and I forget the, what actually happened, but around the third, third or fourth evening, um, the Lord did something else and, uh, and I was just broken with his love. And at that moment, something pinged in my heart. And I felt this fire right here. And I had it with me for a few months, just this sort of burning sensation. Some of you probably experienced this. A burning sensation physically in here. And, um, and I was thinking just this morning, why is it that sometimes it's here and sometimes it's here? 
Right now, in this moment, it's right here. I've got a burning going on uh, right in the sort of uh, my tummy, really. It's sort of right at the depths of my tummy. This burning of in my spirit. And I, I was thinking this morning, oh, yeah. Sometimes it's there, sometimes it's there. I've never thought about it before. And I think it's something like this. Here is about my need to be like him, to be righteous, to deal with holiness and, and to accept the, the reality that I'm not, but I'm pursuing it and I'm recognizing his holiness. When it's here, the thing is different. I feel this fire to just speak out and to change the world and to, you know, this sort of energy on me to just do the impossible. They're, they're different. I, I haven't got any further with that. Anyway, I just got to throw that in. <laughs> um, but this journey has is, is been so important for so many. And, and the reason I brought the Isaiah passage is because it's the fear of the Lord. When you come into the presence of a holy God, and, and that's the encounter environment, his holiness, you are undone by the, not so much the depravity, but the, the things that don't align with the kingdom, the things that you want to break free from, and they wreck you. You just feel, oh, But there's this other piece. And this other piece is the revivals of the 20th century. Now, I don't know where the, the teaching around sonship started. The first time I came across it was um, Floyd McClung, who many of you probably read his book called The Father Heart of God. And he was a YWAM um, guy, to, you know, missions on YWAM, but had this incredible revelation of the Father Heart of God. And that's the first time I really connected with it. Um, I don't know where it started prior to that. Um, but the, the revival or the move of God that really seemed to catch it alight was the Pensacola, uh, sorry, I've said that one, uh, the Toronto Blessing. Now, that was around 1993, 94, somewhere around that sort of period of time. Um, and I was in a church in London, which some of you have been to, called HTB. Some of you were there when this happened and to cut a long story short there was a move of God that started in the airport vineyard church as it was then Toronto airport vineyard John Arna John and Carol were the pastors there and um, uh, some people went out there Ellie Mumford was her name and her husband they went out there and they were great friends with uh, Nikki and Pippa Gumbel and they came back and said Nikki can we see you and the bunch of pastors uh, with Nikki, and they just released what they carried. And Nikki came back to HTB going, oh my word, you know, full of the spirit and just doing things that Nikki just doesn't do. And, um, and then he got some of the staff together, and I didn't know this. I was working in the bookshop, the tape ministry, running that. I was only 18, 19. And I heard this noise from the room next door, and this cackling, this laughing. And I'm like, I just thought that some of the office guys were having lunch and because um, it was that time, but it just kept going on. And after about, I don't know, 90 minutes, I'm like, what is going on? I thought I probably should go and investigate. And I, I went in, and Jeremy Jennings, who at the time was the finance director at HTB, uh, but also oversaw the kind of ministry of prayer, um, 
he called me, he saw me come in, he goes, uh, and he's got this big, boomy voice, he went, Jim, come here. And, um, uh, and he just said, let me pray for you. And he put his hands over my head, just like that, and I went bang to the floor, straight away. He said nothing, straight away, and I just had this encounter with the love of God. And I was just bawling my eyes out, and uh, I'm like, what is going on? And uh, all the others were sort of laughing their heads off, but I wasn't. I was bawling my eyes out. But I was having this extraordinary encounter, and it felt like waves of love. I'd get hit by one, and I'd be, and it, and it would, I'd physically feel it pass through my body like this, in my crumpled mess on the floor. And it felt like this sort of heat, this warmth going through my body. And at the same time as experiencing that heat, just being so aware of this extraordinary love, like it was wrapped around me like this, squeezing out everything that didn't feel loved in me. Just the most amazing, and these waves kept hitting me. And, um, and I've had a few encounters like that now. And that's very different to what happened to me in Pensacola. And we've got these moves of God. So you've got the, ho- the revivals of holiness. And more recently, the revivals of the Father heart of God, of sonship, of us living in chair one, if you were here for Leif Hetland, if, if you weren't, quickly capture it. He does three chairs. Chair three is the sort of chair of the unbeliever. That, that captures that. Chair two is people who've given their lives to Christ, uh, know that they're saved, but are perhaps not really fully living in the, the fullness of uh, being a son or a daughter of, um, of the Father. And then you've got chair one, which is those who are sitting and just have that constant connection with our Father. And, and we know how much he loves us. And all that stuff that is insecure in us just goes to the wayside because we don't, it doesn't mean anything anymore. And the, the classic thing is that we jump, most people will be, have the chair one experiences and we'll sort of jump back to chair two. And you know when you jump to chair two because when someone cuts you up in your car, you get angry with them. And that means you ain't sitting in chair one. Um, <laughs> Or whatever the thing is that, you know, causes that reaction. I'm not saying anger is wrong. I'm saying that there are some things where anger is wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, you, you, you can tell when you're not sitting in chair one because you feel insecure. That's the ultimate litmus test. If you're feeling insecure, you're just sitting in the wrong chair, so you just need to move. Okay. And, and it's like, Father, tell me who I am. That's the simplicity of it. Anyway. So we've got these two moves of God, um, this, the sort of holiness thing and the father heart thing. And, you know, when James and Lou came back from Canada um, with this being so impacted by the glory of God, I was just reminded on that weekend when they shared about some of that experience I'd had of his holiness. Because the glory of God and his holiness is inextricably linked. Um, because if we want to see more of his glory, you know when um, in Romans 7, Paul talks about uh, himself being a hypocrite. You know, and um, there's this reality that the more we um, experience the light of Jesus, the more it exposes the bad stuff in us or the bad stuff that's holding us back 
So the more we come to his light, the more we see where we're weak. And I think Paul catches that in Romans 7. It does depend how you interpret that passage. Um, but there's, so, there's something really true about that. And I thought, what would it be like, and I don't have the answers yet, what would it be like to experience the holiness of God, the glory of God, and that sense of, oh my goodness, I am not worthy, which we can still experience in a really healthy way. What would it be like to go through that experience when I'm sitting in chair number one? That's the peace that I think, uh, I feel it sort of deep in my spirit, that the Lord is beginning to do among us. And I don't, you know, um, obviously uh, we'll see as we move forward, because perhaps that's just something he's going to do for me, but it's certainly something he's beginning to do in me. But I have this sense of these two moves that are so important coming together and mapping out a new path that unleashes a revival the likes of which we've never seen before. And I, um, if we can capture the sense of purity and the sense of identity and bring those things, yeah, and bring those things together, what, I mean, that's an unstoppable move of God, isn't it? So that's what I'm excited about. I, I don't really have any <laughs> answers for you because I'm in the journey and we're all in the journey together. But that's just where I've got to with it. But the thing that I feel that would be good for us to do, um, I haven't asked James this, but I'm sure he'd be cool with it. I should ask Luke, but <laughs> come and do that in front of you. Is, um, is really just, it's really simple, but let's invite, and it totally ties in with what James and Lou have been sharing. Um, let's invite the Father to give us those holiness encounters, the encounters with his glory that lead us into a place of being able to reflect on ourselves so that we are sickened by the things that hold us, this way, that hold us back and just that we are so inspired to move further and closer into the holiness uh, which comes out of his glory as well. Uh, well, obviously it comes out of his glory, but there's that. And so his, um, where the holiness stuff has been unbelievable and amazing is in leading people to know they need Jesus. I think one of the things that is miss, missing or we've missed from what's come more recently in the Father Heart Revivals um, and Moves of God is that we've lost that sense of our own sin. And we live in a world that says you can do what you want. You know, I, I, I've met some young people, no one here, but um, over the last sort of 10 years, um, who just don't think anything of, you know, hacking and getting stuff for free. They're just like, why can't I? You know, because we live in a culture of such entitlement. And, um, or, or uh, I remember being in the car with this guy and, and he was telling me about 
places that uh, he'd just become a new Christian, literally that weekend. And he was telling me about um, all the things he'd done where he'd been robbing uh, people and, you know, breaking into banks and things like that. And um, not every day you meet those people, is it? Um, and, um, and he'd done his time, so he'd paid for, the, paid for it. But um, I was like, didn't you ever think that was wrong? And he said, wrong? What do you mean wrong? And he had no concept of right and wrong. Just no concept of it. And I don't know what environment you grow up in that leads you to that conclusion. But I see it in much more subtle ways um, in the world we live in today. And I think we're all in danger of experiencing that. Because we know he's good. Uh, we know he loves us. We, we have a revelation of the Father heart of God. And he's always loving, boldly approach the throne of grace. And sometimes I think if we're not careful, we can use that truth to allow us to do something that probably isn't very good for us. And probably doesn't align with the pursuit of the kingdom. So, you know, I, I think we do need a new revelation of holiness. And it comes out of his glory. Um, so let's, let's invite him to do that. Is that okay? I'm going to pray. Is that okay with you? Just um, tying in with what Jim said, somebody had a picture during worship, and um, there was in this picture there was a, a like a bowl that fell to the ground um, and broke into pieces, and that this bowl was was representing us, but then. It was put back together, all these broken pi uh, pieces, but it was gold that was putting the pieces back together, and then it became a gold bowl. And I just have this sense of, actually, yes, we are sinners, we are broken, but it is, it is Jesus who puts us back together. It is his righteousness that weaves us back together, and, and that gold then becomes who we are. Um, I just felt like that's what he's saying to us this morning, that, that those two revelations of of um of his holiness but also his his love and his glory um let's just get ourselves into a place of openness um whatever that feels right to you if you want to stand that's fine if you want to stay sitting that's okay um and we're just going to invite the Lord to bring both those things together. So, Father, we come to you now, and metaphorically, we, we come to you from chair one. Thank you that your love for us is unshakable. Thank you that you chase down walls, you kick down walls, you... You pursue us, uh, relentlessly pursue us. Thank you that you are chasing me down. You won't leave till I'm found. Thank you that your reckless love is chasing, capturing, pursuing me. That you won't give up. You will keep, keep, keep on. 
pursuing you with your reckless love. Thank you that because of Jesus, I get to sit in chair one as if I was perfection because of him. And right now from that place, recognizing your love, recognizing the truth of the cross and what you've done, we invite you, Father. We invite you, Holy Father. Would you open our hearts to the reality of your glory and your holiness. And we invite you to come and have your way. Open our eyes where there are things that hold us back. And we invite you to carry on as we've already been there, but to start afresh if that's what we need. As a journey of us understanding your holiness and our lack of it apart from Christ. a chair to church focusing on our sort of insecurities or insignificance believing the lies that produce that reaction we want to be a chair one church where our recognition of your holiness comes from a place of acceptance So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and bring a baptism of love. Open our eyes to your glory. Um, the Lord's going to speak to one or two people now. And... Um, uh, I just need you to be attentive to this and listen uh, to the Lord. If, um, if there's something he's saying to you and you get a green light from him that it's to share with the church family, I'd just like you to come up. I think there's two people. I had a picture of a piece of blotting paper that's very light, but in this piece of blotting paper there's a stain, and I just feel that someone is fixated on this stain on their life, um, but it's raining, so um, it's raining grace, and that stain's being washed away, and that somehow you've been stuck feeling condemned, and you've missed the love that comes with that condemnation, your revelation, you know that you're a sinner, but you've missed the love that is grace that washes away that stain, and that 
that piece of paper is going to be in the sunshine and gone in a few people's life in a few people's lives. Thank you, John. Uh, let's keep our eyes closed for a moment. Um, can I just see? Does anyone respond to that? Um, we'll just is is that yeah okay? There's a few people. So let's just pray into that right now. Uh, Father, we bless what you're doing. We bless what you're doing. And I just call you who are responding to that. I call you into the new identity. I call you out from shame, out from guilt. And I declare that your sin has been paid for. It's as if as it had never happened. So far has he removed your transgressions. As far as the east is from the west, as the north is from the south, higher than the heavens. And I just release a revelation into your hearts now of that new, stainless, without blemish piece of paper. That stainless, without blemish heart. invite you into a new journey, a new discovery. Bless you. Um, before, before I came to church when I was at home, I had, I was reminded of the words of a lady who, I think she's either Catherine of Siena or Teresa of Avila or an ancient saint like that. And she had some had kept on having thoughts that she really hated. They were really obscene thoughts. And she was like, Lord, I, I'm so ashamed. I hate this. And um, and the Lord said to her, do, they, do these thoughts displease you? And she said, yes, they do. I hate this. And he said, this is because the Holy Spirit lives in you, that you are displeased with these thoughts. And I just had a sense of the Lord encouraging people that um, if there's stuff in your life that um, displeases you and is makes you sad or is horrid, be encouraged. You would only think that if the Holy Spirit was showing it to you. And so just um, anyone who is just experiencing that thing of whether having thoughts or feelings or actions that you just don't like and don't want anymore. Yeah. Lord, we just invite you to encourage all of us. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one that makes us dislike sin. Thank you that you're the one that makes us realize that things are wrong and that we're not like that guy in the car that didn't realize it was wrong to go stealing. Thank you, Lord, that we get to hate things that you don't like. And so we just invite you, Lord, to wash away all of that stuff. And I just had this sense too of the Lord cleaning a wall, a wall with ivy growing in it and pulling out all the ivy and repointing the wall and making it strong. So Lord Jesus, wherever there's been stuff growing in our lives and kind of pulling our lives apart, we just say, yes, come on, just take out the stuff that's pulling us down and repoint us, Lord, we pray. Thank you, Jesus.
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And I just declare over every one of you, you are a people of the law of the spirit of life. And you are not condemned. So Holy Spirit, would you continue to work your doing uh, among us as we, uh, uh, as we head home, as we go back to work this week or whatever it is that our life involves. And may we continue to stay on this journey towards greater consecration to you and recognition of your holiness and your glory as we seek to live our lives from knowing who we are in Christ. And may those two strands come together in a new way for each one of us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Just as um, just as Jim was speaking, I was writing down um, over there, and I just feel that this morning, that just for some of us, that I have a sense that the Lord is breaking perhaps habits, thought habits of self condemnation, um, and that we're not going to have those thought patterns anymore. Um, yes, I'll declare it now, but also if you would like me to pray for you afterwards then I'm happy to so what we'll do um, if there are any uh, changeable healing team or church staff who are available if you can come to the front and anyone who wants to respond for anything doesn't have to be what Tab shared it could be something else um, and it can be unrelated don't worry if you, if you need prayer this morning just come forward um, and um, our team will come around and pray um, I'm going to uh, do the Anglican thing and bring a blessing. So, um, uh, yeah, have an amazing week and um, we'll see you soon. Let's, uh, let's stand as we uh, do a blessing. So. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us that you cherish us, but also that you are committed to our sanctification, that you, you are committed to us becoming more like Jesus. And uh, so uh, we come in that spirit and, and um, thank you for who you are. And I just uh, release you this morning, Chanks be the, the 11, and may you know that the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is with you now and always. Amen. Amen. If you'd like prayer, come forward. Um, if, Simon, we could put something on the systems and worship, worship stuff, that'd be really cool. Um, and there is, I think there's some... Uh, no, there aren't.
but do come forward if you'd like to receive prayer or if you're on healing team or um, church staff and you've got some time now, do come and pray as well. Thank you so much. Okay. So I've never had that experience. I feel like I've had moments when I feel like I just feel like when God is with me. Yeah. 